Well, good morning. I'm Joel Wayne, one of the pastors, and we're excited to be in this series right now that is entitled Jesus, A Clear View of God. And we're walking through the first four chapters of John. So before I do anything else, let me go ahead and ask you, invite you, take the Bible, whether it's on a phone, whether it's just right there in front of you paper-wise, and open it up, John chapter 1, right? John is one of the how many Gospels? Four Gospels. It's in the Old or the New Testament. New Testament, there you go. Now you're brilliant biblical scholars. All right, so Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John right there for us. Um, Go back about 80% of the way in your Bible, you'll find it there. Um, Yesterday, I got got some courage up. Um, I'm sitting on my couch reviewing some stuff with the message, um, and actually a leather chair, and I'm there, and I'm like, hey kids, I need all them, I need all my kids. And uh, so they all come in, the four of them standing right in front of me. I say, guys, I'd like to give you every bit of permission to say anything that pops into your mind, okay? Um, I'm, there's no, nothing's going to come in re- as a result of this except for I love you. I just want you to say two words that you automatically think of when you hear the word dad. All right? So like I was, I was slapping my face, getting myself ready. Because like, you don't know what you're going to hear. Like, I'm, I'm inviting it, right? We always say mature leaders invite what? Accountability. So I want to know, honestly, what they think of. They all get there. My wife's behind me. She's, she comes sprinting. She's like, I want to hear this. I'm like, oh, my goodness. Not encouraging. Not encouraging. So all of a sudden, I'm like, okay, go. And they were eager, like, I want to go first. And I hear words like this. I wrote them down right then. I did hear some cool ones. I heard um, fun and a leader. I was like, oh, cool. You know, right then I was like, I'm fun. Right? right away, I heard trustworthy. I heard smart. It's like there's a win for the skipper right there. Um, I was like, yes. Um, I heard honest. And so th- this was going well. And I started with my youngest. And, but as, as the kids got older, You're there, right? I say mature leaders invite accountability. All I'm going to say with that is be careful. Um, because all of a sudden I hear, I hear words like um, crazy. It's like crazy. They're like, Dad, you wanted the honest responses. I'm like, yes, let me absorb this. I heard speedy. I'm like, speedy? I'm like, what am I, like a ninja? They're like, no, you're not like a ninja. It's just you, do, you change stuff real quick. I'm like, so I'm like a ninja. They're like, no, that's not what we said. <laughs> it's like, oh. I'm like, okay, expand upon the word crazy. They're like, well, no, like, it's not like you need meds. Like, that's what they said. <laughs> this is it was so uplifting. Um, they're like, it's just that, like, yesterday, so I wanted, I thought this was being normal, not crazy. I looked at my oldest. I was like, hey, why don't we run? It's only a couple miles. It's 33 degrees and kind of messy outside. But why don't we run to church to watch our kid, one of our kids, play basketball? And, like, every quarter mile, we'll stop and do burpees and push-ups. He's like, Dad, that's crazy. I'm like, I just thought that was being fun. You just called me fun. I thought that was being fun. He's like, none of my friends have dads who do that, Dad. Would anybody else do that? Will you just raise your hand? Anybody identify with me? I have two friends. <laughs> two. 
So you approach it and you go, okay, what, what is it that others think of you right away? It is a fun exercise to do. Um, it's a fun exercise to also do with your spouse, your loved one, or at least a good friend if you're not married. But you've got to have some tough skin. But here's my question for you. is when I'm going to say a word, and as soon as you hear this word, I want you to call out loud the first thing you think of. All right? You ready? Everybody ready? You know that game. You play it with kids growing up. Ready? Jesus. Because there are certain words that we also identify with Jesus. And you think about what's that gut response when you think about Jesus. What, here, here's another way of thinking about it is what identity does Christ have in your life? Last week, Pastor Jim did an amazing job preaching about identity and what that means for us. And it, that theme somewhat continues today because we have to ask ourselves, what is, it, what, what is the identity that we have given Jesus in our life? What, what is that? Is he king of kings? Maybe, maybe some of you said that. Maybe he's lord of lords. Maybe he's friend. Maybe he's savior. Well, what we find in John chapter 1, we're looking at uh, these verses here, 35 through 51 today, and as we look at these verses, um, one of the very first wor- uh, descriptions or titles that we find of Jesus is this, Lamb of God. And you're going, man, that, I don't know exactly if that makes me inspired or not. Well, it should. And so I want to walk through and unpack some of this by jumping into John chapter 1. And I want to help you. If you've never put Lamb of God on that list of things that you would immediately call out, I pray that today will change that because you'll recognize the power of what that means for us individually and in His church And as his church, him being the Lamb of God is why 2,000 years later, we are gathered in Hudsonville, Michigan, declaring that he's our God. Like, that's how big it is. And so this is what he says, John chapter 1, 35, and I'm going to read just the 37 right now. And this is what it says. The next day, John, this is John the Baptist Heard about him last week, right? Right prior to this. But here he is, John the Baptist. He came to prepare the way of the Lord. An amazing story. Here he is standing with two of his disciples. So follow along with me. John the Baptist standing with two of his disciples. And he looked at Jesus as he walked by and said, Behold the Lamb of God. The two disciples heard him say this and they followed Jesus. Jesus right away was identified as the Lamb of God. We already know in John 1.29 from last week, he calls out and he says, Behold, the next day he saw Jesus coming toward him, and he says, Behold, the Lamb of God, who takes away the sin of the world. Right? He's being identified as the Lamb of God. That means he would die in our place. Something would have to serve as a substitute for our sin, to take that burden, to take that sin, to take that punishment, and that was the perfect Lamb of God. And so John is recognizing the enormity, the significance of this, that he would die in our place. And so we also find out that in verse 37, the two disciples heard him say this because they knew the significance. They immediately got up and they were like, hey, see you, John. 
we're following this guy. See you later. We're not going to follow you anymore. We're going to follow him. I think about um, why so many people, even the ones who do claim Jesus, why is it that we claim him? Guys, um, I, I need to make sure we understand we don't follow Jesus because he needs us. We follow Jesus because we need him. And for these disciples uh, to look at him and to hear, behold, the Lamb of God, they recognized their need for a Savior. Can I ask you, do you actually recognize your need for a Savior? Truly, do you recognize your need for a Savior? Behold, the Lamb of God. Here are John's disciples who got up and followed him. Now, what's interesting about this, and I love that Pastor Jim brought this out last week, is John the Baptist, here he is, and and he's here to prepare the way of the Lord. But as Jesus is entering the scene, scene and his messianic ministry is beginning, what John the Baptist very quickly sees is that his ministry is disappearing before his own eyes. Have you, have you thought about that, right? Sometimes we work and we work towards something, and you're like, this is what I've done. This is mine, right? These are my followers. And now his followers, as soon as he even says, behold the Lamb of God, they get up and they go follow Jesus. Before his very own eyes, the very thing that he has been working his whole life to do starts to depart, starts to leave him. And that's got to be tough for him to watch on a human level because Right, we, We're born as sinners, the fall, Genesis, right? That's important for us to recognize. But all of a sudden, this thing called pride in our own lives. But John's the one who says, listen, I'm not the Christ, but I have been sent before him. The one who has the bride is the bridegroom, the friend of the bridegroom who stands and hears him. And it tells us in John 3, this was mentioned last week, John 3 says, Therefore, this joy of mine is now complete. He must increase, but I must decrease. Even with your children, parents, may I ask you this question? Are you okay with your kids' view of who you are decreasing so that their view of Christ may increase? Are we okay with Jesus increasing within our own lives while we decrease? If you take it even further, right? Are we okay with decreasing so that Christ can increase? Think of it like this. We all know that everybody has a certain amount of volume in their life. You only have so much energy. You only have so much time. There's only, uh, how many hours in a day? Go. All right. How many minutes in a day? Go. Call you. I was just kidding. Okay, so... But we know everything has a constraint. We have limits in terms of time. We have limits in terms of energy. We all have a certain number of hours that we need to sleep every night. Right? There's only so much capacity that we have. And here what we recognize is that in order for Jesus to increase, often what we need to do is we need to remove other things in our lives. We need to decrease those things so that he can have more volume, more room, more space. Are you okay with giving Jesus more space in your life? And if the yes or no? Well, that means you're willing to remove some other things so that he can have more volume. You're following me, yes? 
Are you okay with doing that? That's a big question. Because especially if you're someone who likes routine, if you have a routine, you don't want to alter that routine. And yet Jesus might be going, I need more room. I need more space in your life to be able to speak into your life and to, and to see you do more for me. I need you to decrease so that I may increase. Are we okay with Jesus increasing within our lives? Are you okay if Jesus takes up more real estate in your life? It's a fun question to go and ask a friend later on. So in verse 38, he continues on. Jesus turned, saw them following, and said to them, what are you seeking? Right? He sees them following, turns around, what are you seeking? And they said to him, Rabbi, which means teacher, where are you staying? And he said to them, come and you will see. So they came and saw where he was staying, and they stayed with him that day, for it was about the 10th hour, which is about 4 p.m. And one of the two who heard John speak and followed Jesus was Andrew, Simon Peter's brother. He first found his own brother Simon and said to him, we have found the Messiah. Like when, when, you, when you look at a friend, just leave the passage up here if you will, but when you look at a friend and, and you tell them, hey, and they, they say, hey, what did you do today? You say, I went to church and you want to tell them what you've learned and who you know. Do you ever say, oh, by the way, I know the Messiah. We found the Messiah, which means Christ. And so he, Andrew, brought him to Jesus. And Jesus looked at him and said, So you are Simon, the son of John. You shall be called Cephas, which means Peter, the rock. So here this portion of the text starts to unfold before us. We understand some of the significance of taking place. He says, what are you seeking? Jesus asked that very question. What are you seeking? Maybe, maybe you need to be asked that question here today. What are you seeking? Some of you may be seeking just some comfort because your marriage is falling apart. What are you seeking today? Some of you are just wanting to worship. And you came to hear what I think is a remarkable praise team. People who just love Jesus. Some of you are just wanting some truth spoken into your life. What are you seeking? Maybe some of you... Um, don't want to admit it, but you just need somebody to pray over you and to pray with you about life and how to walk through it. What are you seeking? And so he asked that very question. I think Christ would ask that very question of ourselves. If you're claiming me, what are you seeking? And they simply say in verse 38, where are you staying? And so Jesus gives them instruction. Why don't you come and see? Because he wanted to provide them with some spiritual sight. And so they come to him, and they stay with him the rest of the day. And after spending time with him, they discovered that he truly was the Messiah, the long-expected one of Israel. Now, something about this I, I want to make sure that I speak to is that at the end of this portion of the Scripture, it tells us that he brought him to Jesus. Andrew brought his brother to Jesus. Jesus looked at him and automatically he says, so you are Simon, the son of John. And so he gave him what? A new name. 
Someone who had been waiting for Messiah, someone who had been waiting for something greater, who had been waiting for something more. All of a sudden, he comes, he sees who Jesus is, and what ends up happening, he discovers him as Messiah, and Jesus says, hey, i got a new name for you. It's one of the most important aspects, and we know the significance of names in the Bible and, and how powerful and how important that is, and we see it over and over again. But I think this is so powerful because we need to understand Jesus doesn't simply better your identity. He gives you a new identity. This is big. Like uh, Right now, this is like, I want to bring Pastor Nathan back out. Don't worry if you're backstage, I'm not going to. But I want to bring him back out. Right now, we could just jump into some praise and worship because that's something to just glorify God with. God doesn't come into your life. Jesus doesn't step into your life as Messiah and simply better your already existing identity. He gives you a new identity. The old has gone, the new has come. 2 Corinthians 5.17. We recognize Wow, if you acknowledge that Jesus is Savior, you now have a new identity, and it's not according to your sin and brokenness. It's according to your forgiveness and the grace that's offered through Jesus Christ. You are a child of God. Right? Woo! And so if you're walking around in defeat and despair and anguish and stress and anxiety and all these other things, what I am here to tell you right now, God gave you a new identity that doesn't involve those things. He involved, it involves an identity that is of hope and of grace and forgiveness and mercy and peace and joy and comfort that is eternal forever and ever and ever. Amen. Will you please claim that identity in Jesus? Wouldn't it be sad for there to be Jesus Christ, you discover him and claim him as Messiah, and then all of a sudden he says, by the way, i got a new identity for you. And you just leave it sitting there, and you never pick it up. Jesus doesn't simply better your identity. He gives you a new one, a new identity. So things continue to develop in this passage. And it's fun to see how people who are encountering, this is part of it, you, you've already seen it once, you're about to see it again. People who are encountering Jesus, their first response to encountering Messiah is they start to bring others along with them, by the way. Right? That's why I often say someone who's not willing to speak about Jesus, I would argue hasn't discovered Jesus. Because here they're discovering Jesus as Messiah and they're wanting to automatically tell others and to bring others along with them so that they too can discover who Jesus is. That's why we often say that our faith is not private. Yes, it's personal, but it's not private. And so he continues here. And he says, the next day, Jesus then decided to go to Galilee. This is verse 43 and following. The next day, Jesus decided to go to Galilee. He found Philip and said to him, follow me. And now Philip was from Bethesda, the city of Andrew and Peter. And Philip found Nathanael and said to him, here's somebody else, 
right? Telling other people. We found him of whom Moses in the law and also the prophets wrote, Jesus of Nazareth, the son of Joseph. This was big. They would have known the law. They would have known the Torah, the, the Pentateuch. First five books of the Old Testament. You've got to understand that. They would have understand this passage of Scripture, all the words that were there. And yet, so when they're hearing this, they're going like flags and rockets and fireworks and everything else is going off in their mind. Like, really? We've been, we've been waiting. So no hesitation, I think, whatsoever. They're like, let's go figure this out. This is, a, this is fantastic to think of. So here's Philip. He found Nathaniel, said to him, we have found him of whom Moses in the law and also the prophet wrote, Jesus of Nazareth, the son of Joseph. And Nathanael said to him, can anything good come out of Nazareth? Now, in a way, I just think, man, that's when I, I think I'm kind of, I'm right there with Nathaniel a little bit. Like, I'm like, sometimes I don't, like foot and mouth syndrome, anybody? Oh. Anybody ever looked at your spouse and you said something and before you finish the last word, you just go, it's going to be a bad week. <laughs> Anybody agree with me on that one? Ah, now I got lots of friends. <laughs> Learn from my mistakes. You don't have to make any, right? It's that kind of thing. All of a sudden, here comes Nathaniel. He calls us out. Can anything good come out of Nazareth? Really? Dumb. But yet important. Because as we unpack it, we learn so much. Philip said to him, I love Philip's response. It's just very simple. All right, Nathaniel says, can anything good come out of Nazareth? And his response was very simple, come and see. Guys, um, I, I, I'll get into the rest of the passage here in a second, but can I invite you, when you're, this week, go tell people about Jesus. If you claim to know him, go speak of him. And when they start wanting to have an, argue, an argument with you, just simply say, hey, 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 hang on. One, I'm your friend, I love you. Come with me and see. Come with me and see. Guys, God's doing a work at Chapel Point, yes? Like, you can't walk in this, but I often have the joy. I'm here seven days a week pretty much. And I have the joy of walking in this place, and I often tear up and cry because I know God's here. Like, God is in this place. And it's not just about, I'm not talking about this building, but God is working amongst us. Invite them to come and see. So Jesus saw Nathanael coming toward him and said of him, Behold, an Israelite indeed in whom there is no deceit. Nathanael said to him, How do you know me? Jesus answered him, before Philip called you, when you were under the fig tree, I saw you. So in this passage, we find Jesus calling Philip to be his disciple. Philip finds Nathaniel says, hey, listen, we found the one. Come and check it out. 
Again, they, as soon as he's calling out, here's this guy from, that's, that's been called. We, we, we know that he's, he's calling out the Moses and the law and also the prophets wrote of him, Jesus of Nazareth. All of these things are important because he would have known even from Micah chapter 5 verse 2 that he would have been from that area. So all of these things are ringing and so now he's coming as well, but he has hesitation. And maybe some of you have a hesitation as well. And so Nathaniel responds, can anything good come out of Nazareth? I mean, his foregone conclusion already was, there's nothing that can come. Like, you say that, not even as a question. You know when somebody asks you a question, but you know they're making a statement? He's making a statement. It's a foregone conclusion for him. Nothing can come out of Nazareth that is good. What are you talking about? Well, he's going to have to eat his words, right? And some think that it was this sinful prejudice of why he's speaking these words. And so people will speak about this prejudice and everything else. I think it's taking this scripture and the text way too far to start going down that road. It's trying to make it something that it's not really the, that's not really the primary point. I think he simply had a stereotype of the people from Nazareth. He made a, a broad generalization, just like we do sometimes. Right, I hear some of you even speak the words, can anything good come out of Lansing? Or can anything good come out of Ann Arbor when it comes to Michigan, Michigan State? I can, listen, God can, here's the beauty, God uses anybody he wants to use. Right, so here he is just making this broad generalization. But then Jesus does something in this passage that is truly special. And, and just jot this word down real quick. Here's what Jesus ends up doing. Jesus revealed himself. Jesus reveals. He reveals himself. Here's this guy who is a skeptic. Here's this guy who has a hesitation. He knows truth. He knows he probably needs more. And there's, there's this search and this anticipation possibly in his life. We don't have all the details. But here he is and he's looking and Jesus ends up revealing himself. Jesus revealed who he was. When Philip said to Nathanael in verse 45 that Jesus was from Nazareth, Nathanael answered bluntly from his heart without any posturing. Can anything good come out of Nazareth? And so here's Philip asking him to come and just check it out. It's... Maybe that's the big question that we need to talk about. Does Jesus have enough value in your own life for you to bring others to meet him? Does Jesus have a great enough identity in your life for you to bring others to meet him? Think little of Jesus, you speak little of Jesus. Know little of Jesus, speak little of Jesus. Know much of Jesus, can't shut my pie hole. Jesus knows Southern. Right there, you made a prejudice against me. Does Jesus have enough value to you to bring others to meet him? Behold an Israelite indeed in whom there is no deceit. 
Jesus, at least, I think, is refreshed that he found someone who's honest and would just tell it like it is. The guy doesn't like Nazareth, but at least he's honest. If he's honest, he's without deceit. And Jesus also knew that this was about Nathaniel's heart. And so here's Jesus jumping into the picture, and Jesus knew his heart. And so not only did Jesus reveal himself, but because they acknowledged him, this is what they ended up, what ends up happening is that Jesus then transformed them. So Jesus reveals, we have to recognize, Jesus is revealing himself to you even. You may not like what he has to say, but then if you allow him to work in your life, not only does Jesus reveal, but then he also transforms. Jesus reveals, Jesus transforms. That's what you see. It's a cycle over and over and over again in Scripture. It just keeps happening over and over and over. He reveals who he is, and he transforms those who give him the proper identity. Behold the Lamb of God. I mean, here all of a sudden, he starts to let him know, I know what you were doing before. He knew that Jesus wasn't there. He's just enamored by that. Jesus reveals who he is by letting him know, I knew exactly what you were already doing previously under the fig tree. Don't you understand? All of a sudden, Nathaniel says, wow. And he gives his life. He acknowledges who he is. He gives him the proper identity, and his life is transformed. And he responds and says, Rabbi, you are the Son of God. You are the king of Israel. Two different titles that he ends up giving to Jesus. Now, I asked you previously, you know, what identity does Jesus have to you? John chapter 1 gives at least, I I, I counted at least 10 different titles of who Jesus is in John chapter 1. It's right there in your your worship guide. I want you to have that because it's astounding to me. Because I want you to ask, does Jesus have those titles, that identity to you? Right? We know in 1.1 he's the word. And the Word was God, so he's the Word. It also says the Word was God, so he's God. That's another title. It also tells of him as being the light, the true light, which was coming into the world. We see that as well. We see him as Jesus Christ. Grace and truth came through Jesus Christ. We see that also. We see him as the Lamb of God in verse 29. But also following, he already spoke about that in today's passage as well, where he is sitting here in verse 35 and 36 speaking about him. He's also the rabbi, teacher. Is he your teacher? Another title was Messiah, son of God, king of Israel, son of man. Ten different titles. Is this the identity that he has in your life? Amazing. John chapter 1. Just in that one chapter. So here's Nathaniel, and he recognizes who he is, and he declares, Rabbi, you are the Son of God. You are the King of Israel. Jesus tells Nathaniel where he was, what's in his heart. Nathaniel burst out, wow, you are the Son of God. The long-expected Jewish ruler that will bring deliverance for Israel, that's what he's identifying him as. The long-awaited Messiah. Ruler. What identity are you giving to Jesus? Is it worth speaking about to others? 
Has Jesus revealed himself to you? I'm telling you right now, anybody who has ears in this place, Jesus is the son of God. He loves you. He gave his life for you. And you now have a responsibility of what you will do with that information. Will you allow him to transform you? And so here in verse 50 and 51, Jesus answered him. Because I said to you, I saw you under the fig tree. Do you believe? You see greater things than these. And he said to him, truly, truly, I say to you, you will see heaven opened. You will see heaven opened. And the angels of God ascending and descending on the Son of Man. Right, this is going all the way back. Right? They, they knew the law. They knew the Torah. This is going back to Genesis 28. Right? He's letting him know there's heaven and there's us and there's all this brokenness. How do we get there? And he's letting them know it's very simple. Jesus is the bridge. Jesus is the stairway. It's Genesis 28. Jesus is the bridge. Jesus is the stairway. So that's what he's doing. All of a sudden, he's linking another Old Testament passage with this, grounding them in their understanding that this truly is the Son of God. And their acknowledgement of who he is as Savior, as the stairway, the gate of heaven, their acknowledgement of that led to this automatic, wow, he is. He is the Son of God. And so this clear view of Jesus led them, this clear understanding of who Jesus was led them to a transformed life. That's what a clear view does. That's why I wanted to give you all these different titles that are there in John chapter 1. Do you see him as such? Because a clear view of Jesus leads to a transformed life. There is always, I don't care who you are, some of you have been coming to church for 187 years. I'm telling you right now, there is always a greater life to be had in Jesus Christ. Always. And so will you give him more space in your life? Will you give him more room in your life to do a greater work? And for some of you, that means a greater work in your marriage. I know that some of the marriages in this place right now, some of you, you've never prayed together. And right now your marriage may be falling apart. And so you need, to, you need to get rid of other things in your life so that you can give more space for Jesus to work in that marriage. And you need, to you need to take it more seriously. And some of you, it's dealing with your children or maybe you've lost your job and you're like, I don't know what to do. I met somebody earlier today. They're, not, they're a lot younger than I. I was going to say they're close to my age. They're 29. They ain't close to my age. <laughs> I'm like... Like right then, I, just, I was just humbled. Um, I'm like, wow. Um, and they just looked at me standing out here, and I asked if I could share this, and, and they said, I have no idea what God wants to do with my life. I just know it's not what I'm doing right now. Anybody else in that same boat? God just wants some more space. Will you give him more room in your life to work? Will you? Yes? 
Like, join us this Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, right? Two days, starting Wednesday night. At least everybody we're asking you to at least join us Thursday night for fasting. Fast with us. Be desperate for something physically and then turn that into a desperation for something that is eternal. Call out to God with us. Join together with us. Even tonight as we worship him Wednesday night, Pastor Nathan, we're going to get some worship on Wednesday night. Got it. He's going to agree with me with whatever I say right now. (laughs) Will you give him more space? Will he be your identity? He's revealing himself. Let him transform you. God, we come before you in the name of Jesus. And we just give everything we have to you. Even this morning, with our offering that we're about to give, we pray that you would take every single penny, every single dollar, as many of us are trying to honor a commitment that we made to you just a month ago. Take it all, use it for your glory, your honor, as we chase after you. In Christ's name, amen. I'm